Welcome back to KSCJ Radio, 1360 AM, 94.9 FM in Sioux City, Iowa. I'm Brian Vikulskis, and this is Having Read That, conversations with authors about their books. My guest is C.J. Box. He's the number one New York Times bestselling author of the great Joe Pickett series, and he's out with his brand new Joe Pickett novel. This one's called Three Inch Teeth. It is available everywhere now, and go out and check it out. If you haven't read a Joe Pickett novel, that's okay. There's plenty to read, and you don't have to read them in order. So, C.J., jumping into this book, if you look at the cover, there's a grizzly bear on the front and uh, an image in the back but you take on a, a, a subject in this book that is really foreign to a lot of us here in Iowa grizzly bear attacks they don't happen here but can you kind of explain what goes on in the American West that uh, makes grizzly bear attacks a real thing sure um, it, you know it is it is a real thing um, there's no doubt that in the last uh, 10 years or so there have been more um, what they call human and bear grizzly encounters than there has been previously. Um, there's a lot of theories why that is, but um, you know there have been some. What's what's so disturbing about some of them? Not all of them, but some of them is that some appear to be unprovoked. Um, there have been several cases where uh, bears literally attacked humans um, for no provocation, for no reason that anyone could determine. Um, they were almost homicidal, and um, when that happens, of course, that's, that, that gives the willies to everybody who goes outdoors and goes into the mountains or goes hunting. Um, so I, I, I got interested in that subject after there were three fatalities in one year, two, year, two summers ago, two falls ago, I should say, and uh, spent a lot of time with um, uh, an expert in Wyoming who's the head of what they call the Predator Attack Team. Uh, he's also the large carnivore specialist for the state of Wyoming and talked about the traits of, it, of uh, grizzly bears and how to kind of explain what might be going on. And I use that in this book. And this book, and it's described as a novel on the cover. It really is a thriller. And, you know, not to give too much away, but you've got these grizzly bear attacks going on. Dallas Cates, who is a criminal that Joe Pickett, the Wyoming game warden, locked up a few years ago, is out of prison and he's seeking revenge, and he's using the grizzly bear attacks as cover. But you mentioned the predator attack team, and I thought this was a fascinating part of the book because this is a different, a lot of different people from basically uh, emergency rescue and law enforcement who are coming together to try to triage this problem and do it. But it seems like there's just a lot of guesswork that goes on because you're dealing with an animal and you never really know what they do, but they also have tags on these animals that I didn't realize they did. Can you explain how that works? Sure. They, um, they collar a lot of bears, you know, with um, electronic collars to, to track them. Um, they're not foolproof. The collars aren't. And um, sometimes the bears that, that are doing the attacking um, have never been collared, so it's, it's, therefore it's that much harder to find them. But, um, yeah, it's in speaking with members of the Predator Attack Team, that some of the stories they told were uh, really kind of chilling. Um, in one instance, you know, it's almost like a SWAT team for bears. They, they land in a helicopter, they're wearing body armor, and they have semi-automatic rifles, and they try to find the, uh, the grizzly bear that, that attacked or killed someone. And in one case, um, two bears actually attacked the helicopter as it landed. And no one on the, you know, no, no one on the team had ever seen anything quite like that. There's also the counterparts of the predator attack team, and in the book you have them described as the mama bears, and it's sort of a PETA-like organization, a uh, uh, 
people that don't want the bears destroyed. So how does that work with these predator attack teams? Are the mama bears, a, a, first of all, a real thing? And second of all, is it is it really this cat and mouse game between the predator attack team and the mama bears? It is. Um, there is no such uh, organization called the mama bears, but it's based on several little groupings of people who... Um, uh, who give traits to the bears, name the bears, um, sometimes spend a lot of time with them in places like Yellowstone Park to like get, they get to know them. They feel like they're, chil- they're, they're children, and they don't want any harm to come to the bears. And some of them, some of them are, consider themselves activists and, in fact, go out into the field to thwart the predator attack team. Um, so that no bears are killed. So that's one of the, the issues that, um, like the Wyoming Game and Fish Department, does have to deal with. Not only the bears themselves, but people who want to save the bears by any means necessary. Your books never get into partisan politics, but you usually throw in a little bit of nugget of local politics. And this one I picked up on is this whole idea of corner crossing, how hunters use this corner-locked land to corner cross. What is going on with that in the area where you live that made it into the books? I think that's so interesting, how people get from one parcel of land to another. Sure, it's a big deal in the West, um, in the Mountain West, where there's a lot of public land. Um, Wyoming, in fact, is 50% public land. And in some cases, like where I live in southern Wyoming, um, parcels are, it's in, in effect a checkerboard across, across the landscape where every other um, square is public and the rest are private. And um, because, uh, you know, GPS are so accurate now, uh, hunters in one case figured out how they could go from corner to corner to stay on public land within a vast public uh, private ranch. And it's, it's uh, created some big losses, big court cases. It has not been adjudicated whether it's legal or not to do that, for sure, and everybody has their own opinions. But it all has to do with public land and crossing from public land to public land. And when you cross that corner, are, you know, is the human being partially um, trespassing in the air as they go from uh, parcel to parcel. Uh, so ranchers contend that uh, they're trespassing, and the hunters say they're staying on private land. So, yeah, it's, it's, to me, it's a very local issue that the biggest court cases um, occurred, started about uh, 20 miles from where I live. I'm chatting with C.J. Box, the number one New York Times bestselling author of the brand new book, Three Inch Teeth. It's the latest Joe Pickett novel. It's available everywhere. And if you're part of the TV viewing public, uh, Big Sky and Joe Pickett are on Paramount Plus, or ABC has got Big Sky and Joe Pickett's on Paramount Plus. So there's the video version of Joe Pickett if you want to put a face to the name, as uh, some people want to do. Joe, there's a lot of talk in here about the relationship between Joe Pickett and or CJ, there's a lot of talk in here about the relationship between Joe Pickett and his daughter, and through various events that happen in the book. And I know that you have you have uh, children yourself. You have a daughter, and I, I thought it was interesting to delve into that personal relationship bec- between, especially when somebody's marriage age and you know engaging in these relationships. So, as you've as you've matured in your writing, how do you take your own experiences and translate them into how Joe relates to his own adult daughter? Sure, I actually have three daughters, so um, I have a lot of a lot of material there. Um, you know, I, I do use um, you know my own life to some degree um, in Joe Pickett, and especially he's got three daughters, I've got three daughters, and all the issues that come with that. 
Um, you know, without giving too much away, you know, his his oldest daughter is about his uh, her potential fiance is one of the first ones killed and attacked by a bear. And um, part of the book deals with not only Joe's reaction to that, but also his daughter Sheridan's reaction to that and the community. Um, it's fun to write those kind of things. Um, there's kind of some secrets involved with the potential proposal um, that only the reader will know, as well as Joe Pickett and his wife. But, um, you know, every, every I think every father of daughters has some of those same issues. And I think m many fathers of daughters wouldn't mind if the suitors of their daughters were attacked by a bear. <laughs> uh, another thing that I love that you did in this book is you took us to locations around the uh, Mountain West, Hannah, Wyoming, Jeffrey City, uh, Walden, Colorado, different places that are really small and off the map. And I know as the, the god of this story, you can create and put this story wherever you want. Did it take you a while to, to pick which small towns you needed, or was it more for what needed to happen there, and then you found the town that matched that? Well, it, I, I did, um, you know, I know all those towns. They're real places, unlike uh, the fictional town of Saddle String where Joe Pickett lives. These are real locations, real places. And I love to go to little, tiny, out-of-the-way communities, um, you know, in the Mountain West. Some of them are kind of dying. Some of them are just hanging in there. They all have such unique character and unique people in them because they're so isolated that I love to use them as, um, you know, locations for the book, in effect, rather than, you know, well-known larger communities. Nate uh, Romanowski, the falconer, there's a lot about falconing and bird uh, abatement and that. In fact, Joe daughter, Joe's daughter works for Nate. But as as you take the Nate character, he's a very complex character, and you take him some places in the book that I didn't expect him to go. But as you as the Nate Romanowski character matures, is it more difficult to mature a secondary character than it is the main character? I think that it is, especially given Nate Romanowski's character and his traits and his his uh, kind of outlook on the world, which is a little skewed. Um, you know, in, in the last few books, anybody who's you know, been reading him knows that he's, he's kind of gone straight, come off the grid, gotten married, has a child, um, and then some things happen in this book that uh, really affect him. And uh, I'm working on the next book now, and that'll be much more a Nate Romanowski book. I know that you've written so many of these now, and you, you, they're all your babies, and you love them all, but do you ever finish a book and think this one wasn't as good as the last ones, or this one was better? Because it seems to me, as the reader, and I'm just an amateur reader here, they've all seemed to have gotten better, and this one was just an absolutely thrilling. But as the, as the person who, you're probably your harshest critic, how does that work as far as when you compare it to your other books, or do you ever do that? Boy, you're exactly right. Um, almost every book I finish, I think, oh, you know, okay, you know, the mask is off. This, this one I'll be discovered that, you know, I really don't know how to do this. Um, but then, then as I, you know, as the, you know, a couple years down the road, then I realize I look back. Three-Inch Teeth is, is one of those rare books of mine that I feel like almost wrote itself. Um, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was thrilling for me to write this book. I love the subject matter. I like the, the narrative and the propulsion in it. And it was just a lot of fun. I felt really good when this book was over. Um, felt like it was successful. But, you know, you can never tell, um, I can never tell 
how successful a book is going to be um, when I'm done, no matter what I think about it. Do you ever think back to those days when you first started writing and publishing novels? I mean, now you hang out with other thriller writers, other New York Times bestsellers, people that everybody's name's known. Back then when you're writing in a bubble and nobody knew who the heck you were and you didn't know anybody else in the community, do you think back to those, I don't know if they were dark days, but was it a simpler time as an author for you? Um, in a way, it was, when I look back, it was, it was a little more confusing. Because not only was I in a bubble writing books, I was in a bubble in Wyoming and had never even met a published author other than a local historian. So I was really uh, kind of flying blind with the first couple of books, um, hoping that, you know, not only would they, you know, get published, but be somewhat successful so I could keep writing. Um, now that I'm sort of used to how it goes, um, it's a little different, but... Um, you know, and you know, as an author, every single thing you write or say or put on social media or whatever is, is scrutinized and criticized and or praised, and um, that's that's also a little bit hard to get used to. Do you think about what you put out there uh, consciously? I mean, I you know, you are the person that you are, and I, I've never known you to get too into issues, but cancel culture is a real thing, and I would think somebody in the Mountain West is probably just a sitting duck for that on social media. I think so sometimes, too. I do think about it, but I also don't let it um, affect what I write or the subjects that I write or the, the, the things that happen in the book. You know, I, I, I have heard the stories, but I have never received pressure, for example, from um, either uh, my publishers and all the people involved with, with uh, publishing the books or, in fact, the people who've done the TV shows. That You know, you've got to tone it down. You can't take, not take on this subject, whatever. And it's just been the opposite. They've, they've encouraged, encouraged me to really flesh out issues and um, characterizations of things that happen in the West. And I, that's what I love to do. So I don't get too worried. I, I, don't, I try not to be too provocative and to provide both sides of every issue in every book and trust the reader to come down where they will. Well, this book was just, I, I thought it was so thrilling. It took me about two hours when I sat down to read it. I uh, and Good Lord! Read it straight Jeez. through, and it was, it was like watching a great movie. The book is uh, Three Inch Teeth. It's the latest Joe Pickett novel by C.J. Box. The book's available everywhere. Pick it up. C.J., just another fantastic book. You entertain me every time, and I thank you for joining me to talk about it. Well, thank you once again. It's always a pleasure. This has been Having Read That on KSCJ Radio. I'm Brian Vakalskis. Check out all of our episodes on our website, kscj.com, and subscribe to our iTunes podcasts. Thanks to music historian Molly Jolly and segment producer John Weasler. We will be back next time. It's not far to never, never